Hello and welcome to the Amplifier Podcast, the show where the best in business discuss how you can grow your business best. I'm Wyatt McPherson, I produce this show, and this week our host Don Cooper is speaking with Randy Long for his first of three episodes with us. Randy is the founder and CEO of Long Business Advisors and author of The Braveheart Exit and Bulletproof Your Exit, all of which are built and designed to aid in a smooth transition and exit from your business. Don and Randy discuss how important it is to plan your exit from your business, when the right time to do it is, the best ways of going about it, and ultimately how you can and should start to plan out something that many entrepreneurs unfortunately fail to realize the importance of until it is too late. It is a fantastic conversation that deals with not often talked about business topics, so make sure you check out our other two episodes with Randy and subscribe so you don't miss any in the future. But with all of that said, I truly do hope that you enjoy this episode of the Amplifier Podcast. Now, please take it away, Don. Good day, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of the Amplifier Podcast. I'm your host, Don Cooper. Today, I am happy to have a special guest for you, Mr. Randy Long. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Randy, and then we're going to dive into a conversation around how to plan for your business to be more successful. Randy, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. I'm looking forward to our time together. So I got to ask, you know, and I've got my, I've got a quirky reason for this and a little surprise for you, <laughs> but why is this, the, your book and your process called the Braveheart process? The Braveheart comes from a couple of things. One of them is my, uh, my heritage happens to be British. Well, I should say British empire anyway, let's put it that way. Scotland, England. And I love the story of the whole William Wallace thing. Secondly, uh, I called it the Braveheart process because um, in America, I've always seen business owners as, as heroes because uh, America became the engine of the world based on the fact that it was the best place in the world to create and be and become an entrepreneur and have the opportunity to do so. Because it was at a time when most of the world, it was very difficult to create new businesses. So it was on the back of these guys that get up every day, these guys and gals get up every day and they do the work, they hire the people, they write the checks, they sign the checks and they only get the checks after everybody else is paid. So um, to me, those people are heroes and I have really dedicated my practice, my life's work to serving business owners across the board. That's what I do. You know, that, that whole idea of that American mindset. And when I say American mindset, I think it's an entrepreneurial mindset. You know, our, our mutual friend, Dan Sullivan has a podcast called the American checklist, and he has the eight mindsets of what it means to be American, not as a citizen, but as a mindset of freedom. And I think William Wallace stands for freedom, obviously in the, in the movie Braveheart. He, you know, he says, you can take our lives, but you'll never take our freedom. That's so right. I have a surprise for you. My wife happens to be Scottish. And so she says she's Scottish first and British second. You know, they've always got that rivalry that go, goes back to William Wallace. It does. And so in our household, we're both Canadian and I've got, you know, I've got, you know, all of my heritage is British. Most, according to ancestry, I'm 97% Irish and 3% Scottish. And my <laughs> wife is like 90 some percent Scottish and 3% Irish. Um, I do think I got a little bit of English in there because uh, I think I found one ancestor that was, uh, was back in England, but you know, the British empire. So in our household, we, you know, try our best culturally in our family 
to make sure that you know we maintain some of our cultural roots and we go to highland games and and we do things like that as a matter of fact uh, when we were married um you know we had 27 people at our wedding in kilts and attire mm. so after reading about your book and watching a bunch of your videos i decided to give you two surprises okay <laughs> first is i'm wearing my kilt today <laughs> <laughs> so here i am yes you are my gosh it's so wearing, this kilt i had this made for my wedding it's my family colors the cooper tartan yep. and on the 10 year anniversary of my innovator business which was a couple of years ago my 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 team gave me a special present and it's my sword. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I have my kilt and my innovator sword that actually has my name embossed on it. So <laughs> I will be today your symbolic William Wallace. But anyway, I'm, I'm wearing my kilt today in honor of you and, and your book. What I find interesting about what you do and in diving into your work as an entrepreneur, and I think as entrepreneurs and business owners everywhere, we're so focused on building our business and growing our business. And when someone says transition plan or succession plan, you know, you go, well, yeah, I'll deal with that later because I got no plans on selling. And I'm going to, you know, of course, and as, as entrepreneurs, we think we'll live forever, right? Yep. Yep. As I was reading and, and, and watching your work, it struck me today like a ton of bricks. It ain't about what I want. It isn't about it isn't about what I'm planning to not do. It's about what what will happen uh, or what could happen if I don't plan. Like, you know, like we always say, everybody's going to exit their business. The question is whether or not you're going to exit well. You know, I I I literally it, today don't you know, and I, I get this from my own coaches like Dan Sullivan that I don't ever plan to retire. Yeah, because I, I just love what I do and. Uh, but that doesn't mean I won't exit some of the businesses you, yeah. and, you know, and I may want to monetize some businesses or some parts of the, of the business over time and setting it up properly is so key, but that part was good for me, but the part that really hit me and why I really love your profile and what you talked about is this idea of family in, in my businesses, I wear my core values every day. It's the only I have many of these shirts, but it's the only shirt I wear every day at work to really emphasize the core values of what my companies stand for and who we are. Yeah. But my number one core value is family first. The yeah. rest of my core values are built upon that, that we, we look after each other, we take care of each other, we take care of our own. And you've got this, you know, your whole practice is around obviously, you know, helping create legacy but protecting the family. So that's right. Let's dive in. And, you know, I just think this is, I, I went from, you know, not having thought about this at all to having spent the entire day before we started talking intrigued about what you're doing. And it really got my, my gears turning because, you know, my purpose amongst other things, um, you know, I've, I've defined a 25 year purpose for what I want to do. My life's work is to help people, but the, who those people are, I want to build a group of companies to help 5,000 of my innovator amplifier families have great lives. 
um, want to help a variety of clients from entrepreneurs to salespeople to energy and industrial companies accomplish different things. Right. But my number one purpose on that, that, that the part that I want out of that is, uh, is my, is my wife, my four children and my mom, I want to protect them and give them a life and security. And so, um, you know, you know, with, through my work, right. And so, you know, the part that strikes me about your work, it wasn't so much about me, how comfortable will I be when I exit or how will I exit? Oh, I, I really think that's all important, but you know, the part that struck home for me was how do I do all of this and how do my listeners do all of this as business owners to protect their families for whatever happens? Right. That's right. Yeah, it's, uh, we call it, it's like two sides of the coin. One is planning for the exit. The other is, is doing the contingency planning because what your desired exit is, isn't necessarily the one you're going to get. Now, right. it's true that a lot of times what you plan for, you do eventually get. But in the world we live in, things happen. You know, people get in accidents. Um, they get strokes. They get, I mean, you know, people die early in, when they're not supposed to. So we plan for all those things because we as business owners and fathers, we and husbands, we have this duty to our wives and our children and our grandchildren. I have six grandkids already. And so I have this duty for me that I want to pass down, not just my assets, but I, I want to pass down my faith, my family, my freedom. I want them to, um, I want them to identify strongly and have a culture from within my family, which makes, by the way, when my, my kids have all come, have all worked in my businesses, every one of them. Ellen right. is my business partner. She's my number two kid. It's been with me about seven or eight years now. She's incredibly gifted. Um, she's the one you met her before the show. Yes. So all of my kids have worked and they, but they all fit because they've been acculturated, you know, from inside of my family. Yeah. You know, I find that interesting. Um, my oldest boy worked in one of my businesses from age 16 till about age 23 or four. Now he's trying to be an entrepreneur on his own. Yep. And, um, and so he now has me coaching him in his business, which is a <laughs> lot of fun. Right. Um, and, uh, and now my second oldest son, um, he, he hadn't, he hasn't lived with me for a long time and he moved back in with us, um, about six months ago. That's been a joy for us to reconnect in a really deep daily level. What was really profound for me in that is, is he had a very different culture at his mother's house and then coming to our house and spending time with me every day was a very different way of thinking and I think it's, and it's been, it's been great for me, but I think it's been great for him to think about things and the influences and the things I do, the things I read and just having a really positive impact on him. And my youngest daughter, you know, she's in my office every day um, uh, and, you know, talking about business and talking about teamwork and talking about, you know, innovation and ideas. And so I, I have, a, I have, you know, the, the impact that you have on your children in terms of the cultural impact that you have inside of your family with your beliefs and your values is yep. so important. It, it's, and it's also, from my perspective, the foundation of society, because when we remove those things from the kids, they turn into little criminals, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, I love one of those pictures you had on one of your videos of your daughter with the, the little kid who hadn't been guided right and he was holding a plastic gun and a knife like they're going to be, you know, if they if they if you if you don't create their values and their culture, it gets created for them. It, it you does. Know, you know, does. one of our mutual friends, Jason Corman, you know, works with, you know, helping us create these intentional cultures. Right. And, you know, in, in all the time I've spent with with Jason and in studying just business culture. And I think it applies to any culture is, you know, cultures evolve and happen, you know, organically and, you know, or intentionally if you choose. And so inside of your family and inside of your business, you have to decide the culture and the values you want to be intentional about, or they become something that just happens organically, not necessarily in a positive way. Yeah, they pick them up wherever they're going to pick them up, you either fill, you either give them yours or they get somebody else's. So. Yeah. If you don't, if they don't get, you know, for your children, particularly, you know, from youth onwards, as soon as they go to school, if they're not getting cultural values from you, they're getting it at school from whoever they hang out with. Right. Which is a scary thing. (laughs) It can be for sure. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Particularly when they hit about 12.5 years old. (laughs) Then, it, then, then, you know, if you haven't built some foundation by then, you've got a lot of work to do. So true. So, Randy, you know, many business owners never think about the sell, about selling their business or about that whole transition. So what, what, what really happens when they don't? Well, uh, bad, uh, unfortunately, sad things happen a lot of times. Um, as an example, uh, there's a guy that contacted me about um, three years ago who had had a... Um, an electrical um, business. Um, he, he was an electrician and had, you know, crews and everything. He, he grossed about $4 million and mm-hmm. he was 70, he reached his 70th birthday and didn't have anybody, you know, to take over. So he just closed it. I mean, this guy, I said, you, you closed it. He said, yeah. I said, well, what, what was your, what was your net income, your EBITDA? And he said, uh, well, my last year it was $750,000. I said, dude, you know, you probably left a million and a half to $4 million on the table, depending on how you run the company. He's like, well, I just didn't think it was worth anything. That's because knowledge is, you know, this knowledge is power and too many people don't know. And so, uh, yeah, there's bad things can happen both on the contingency side. I'm not prepared for things. And so bad things happen. And then you lose the business and you lose the value of your life's work without your family benefiting from it. So planning on the positive side and planning on the, the contingency side, they're both very important, Mm -hmm. very important. I'm going to give a big shout out to my, one of my friends over in London, England, his name is James Bayless. He and his wife, Emma, own an electrical contracting business in the city of London. And so, uh, James, if you're listening to this, listen to what Randy's telling you, because you and Emma and the boys need to hear this. <laughs> I, I just connect the dots when you said, you know, an electrical contractor making really good money. He wanted to stop working and he didn't understand the intrinsic value of his business or how to how to get value out of it when he could stop. That's, That's right. Uh, that's amazing when you think about that. I mean, I, uh, I certainly have more thinking about the value of the business than that, but a lot of people probably don't. They think that, you know, I mean, and that, that definition, a lot of 
all the time. And I think Dan Sullivan says this, that there's entrepreneurs and then there's a mindset of a solopreneur where mm. they have independence because they're their own employer, but they've created themselves a job. And maybe even if they've got a bunch of employees, if they think that the only way that they can continue to earn from their business is if they're in it is, uh, is an interesting mindset. Yeah. You, I mean, ultimately our goal for our clients is to, and you know, this from, from my videos, but we like them to, to think about bu building a sellable business. So right. even if, even if their plan is to um, transition it to their children, we still prefer to plan as though we're going to have to sell it to a third party. And the reason I like to do that is because when you plan for third party sales, you recognize that when the company um, comes in and wants to buy, they're going to send a due diligence team in and they're going to look through that business. They're going to lift the skirt up and see all the ugly stuff and all the pretty stuff. And, and so we want to make sure when our people come in, somebody comes from the outside and they, they look under the hood there, we want to make sure that they find no surprises except good ones. Now you, you say, you know, in some of the things I've read and, and seen with you, that what, what, what if you sold your business today, what's it worth? And, and then and you, had, you had an example that was really intriguing about three different companies who had, you know, and they had different levels of value created in their business. They were all very similar. Can you tell us about that story? Yeah, that was a, that was a talk I did, I think, four years ago, maybe now. Um, mm -hmm. something like that three or four years ago. But essentially, I used an example of, of three companies that had the same, the, the same EBITDA, or in other words, the same net income, right? But those three companies, even though they all had the same um, net income, and they were all roughly the same size, and, the, and in the same industry, but one sold for um, like three times Another one sold for five to seven times and the, and the one sold for one times earned, right? And right. part of the reason was because the things that would make another company want you is, for instance, the growth rate. As an example, the one that had the highest multiple, they had, they had three to five years of growing revenue on a really nice you know, projection. They also had a management team that was totally ran the business and the business owner was not involved in the day-to-day -day operation of the business. So that meant somebody could buy the business and own it as is without having to come run it or to have to hire somebody to run it. So they knew it was an entity that could self-sustain. Those businesses bring the highest mark. And then the other one that was in the middle, they had a team the business owner was still somewhat involved and they didn't have quite the track record, but they were still positive. Things were going well. Whereas the other one, the owner made all the decisions. He was in charge of everything. And if the business um, failed, uh, it would be because he failed because it was all about him. You know, he, he retained too much decision-making authority and, and he became the um, prevention of growth right? <laughs> because he yeah. was the stop. Well, yeah, he, 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 you know, the buck stopped with him with failure and equally from a value standpoint, the only way, you know, there's a lot of risk in the, the, a buyer looking at that business to buy it. If all the, if all the capability of the company is tied up in his, in him and, and in his ability to keep performing, you, you called it um, three, the three value catalysts, management team, 
uh, a diverse customer list so that you weren't, you know, you weren't leaning on one customer yeah. and obviously that consistent and growing revenue streams. Yeah, those are a few. There are there are a number more of those, but but the the point is is that the reason businesses uh, have value is because of how they're built and what they can accomplish. They're not just the idea that you know, uh, somebody comes to me and says, oh, I don't need you to, we don't need evaluation done because I know what it's worth. It's like, how do you, how do you know that? Well, the average in the industry is X. I was like, well, who told you you were average? Yeah. Um, you know, businesses aren't sold on averages. They're sold on what your particularities are, not the averages. The yeah. only way they're sold at an average is if all of your particularities fit inside of that narrow band of average. Most yeah. people are either much higher or much lower. And there are some in the middle, of course, but you can't assume that because the industry averages five times earnings, that that's what you're going to get. It's, yeah. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. I, I mean, I've got, I've got entrepreneurial friends. I'm sure you know many, many um, that you know have a variety of spectrums. I've got friends who... They have, you know, I've got one friend who has five businesses and he cannot put his phone down and he often can't even attend a, an entrepreneurial networking meeting because yeah. he has to run to site to fix something. He has to go to that office and deal with that supplier. He is the manager of all of them, makes all the decisions. He's That's very right. successful, but he works 80 hours a week and he's, and he takes pride in that. And he's he very does. successful financially, but he, he has no management team. He has no processes and his customers are often bit, you know, big chunks of his company. And, and so all of his value is tied up in his ability. And so the value of exiting or transitioning or dealing with something for him, he would be that lowest multiple uh, factor. I've got other, um, I've got other friends who have pretty good management team, but they don't have any processes. They don't yeah. have any system. I mean, it's all sort of in the head of the team. Right. And so there's no scalable and repeatable nature. And I coach a few of them like on, on the importance of process. What I find interesting there is the entrepreneur is like, well, you know, I'm not big into processes, Yeah, but it's not, it's not, you're an entrepreneur. You can wing it. We all, as entrepreneurs, we're, we often are all very uh, adaptable but you need to build the business so you don't have to be there. And so, right. you know, the team and the processes are so important so that you can back away and focus on, you know, as we know, working on the business and not having to be in it. That's correct. And yeah. also, you know, having the freedom, owning your time, that's a super, that's a super deal, you know? I mean, Absolutely. then you can prioritize family or, you know, charitable things you're doing or whatever it is. Everything isn't about, serving, we want to serve our customers well, but at the end of the day, um, you know, when you're at, at, at your, the end of your, your life and you're sitting around, you're not going to lament the fact that you didn't spend enough time at the office. That's just yeah. not going to happen. Dan Sullivan says it's the four entrepreneurial freedoms, right? Freedom yeah. of time, freedom of purpose, freedom of relationship, and obviously freedom of money. That's so right. that, you know, but you know, money is a tool to to, to, you know, make the best of those other three freedoms. That's right. Um, I, I started working about four years ago on really focusing on working on the business and not in the businesses. And, you know, and that instantly gave me a ton of freedom of time and relationship. 
so that I can work on what I want to work on. I started another company as a result of creating that freedom. Yeah. Um, and the freedom of time for family, you know, it was just this morning, my wife was sort of wondering about going to this, uh, this Scotland, England match I was telling you about. Right. And, and she was going to go on her own because my daughter was going to be in school and I had some things scheduled and she was, you know, on the fence, you know, and she's been, you know, somewhat isolated from that, that community throughout this whole COVID thing. And she wasn't sure if she wanted to go. And I looked at her and I said, well, what's, what's holding you back? And she said, well, I, I don't want to go by myself. And, and you're tied up. And I said, well, I can fix that. <laughs> That's right. and, and I literally, it was about seven o'clock this morning. And I looked at my calendar and I said, well, what do I have going on next Friday afternoon? And I, I had a, I had a podcast uh, scheduled. And so uh, I, I emailed my assistant Mallory and I said, Mallory, can you move this podcast and, and try to make it a day earlier? I don't want to push it off um, because I'm going to, I, I want to make myself free for, for supporting Gemma going to this match. And what was so powerful about that is my wife went from uncertainty to, <laughs> to G, you know, sort of, sort of, to this giddy, giddy happiness. And now all of a sudden looking forward to it. And then that turned by, by eight o'clock, it had turned into my daughter was coming and my 18 year old was coming and she was emailing the event organizer saying, I don't need one seat. I don't need two seats. I need four seats now. <laughs> and, and, and all of a sudden her whole week is going to be about planning around how we're going to turn this into an experience and it, right. and, and it all, it all happened simply because I had freedom of time. Yeah. It, it and freedom just, of freedom of time created that freedom in relationship. That's yeah, just so valuable. Yeah. Don't miss the, the true benefit of, of being an entrepreneur, which is the ability to create the times, you yeah, know, absolutely the, the freedoms. I mean, like you said, and there you have it. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Amplifier Podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with Don or Randy at any point in time and discover more of what both of them can do for you and your business, then you can always find both of their links in the description of this episode. Make sure you leave a five-star rating on this show. It truly does help us out a lot. And be sure to subscribe so you never miss any future episodes. With all of that said, though, I truly do hope that you've enjoyed this episode of the Amplifier Podcast, and we shall see you next time.